Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey y'all, it's Hope. So if I sound all gross and mucusy, I really apologize. I've got a little cold, not COVID. I actually did a test because I'd been out of town at a conference and then came through the airport and um, I've been vaccinated, but I just wanted to make sure it wasn't. So it's just a little head cold. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk to y'all today about slowing down. So I had plans today. I was not going to be at home recording a podcast and getting stuff done, I was going to take the whole day off and surprise my kids and take them to Atlanta to the aquarium or to Six Flags or somewhere. And I was going to be spontaneous hope, which I'm not spontaneous, but I was going to be today and I didn't tell them. But then Tuesday, yesterday, I woke up and I was had a sore throat and I was like, oh, I don't feel good. Um, and I think it was life trying to tell me to slow down. So this happens periodically, especially for those of us who like to go, go, go. And we sort of look at life as a race or a game. And at first, life will sort of whisper, slow down. And I don't usually listen at this point. I think, who has time to slow down? You slow down and you lose out. And it feels like we're on an interstate just like going 90 miles an hour. And if you try to whip it over to the side of the road and go really slow or actually stop, then you might get squished by a semi-truck. So I keep going. I kind of push harder and faster thinking, okay, one day there'll be time for rest. Or back to the interstate analogy, I'll think, well, I'll stop at the next rest stop. I won't stop at this one. I'll just keep going until I get to the next one. And then maybe life pulls us aside and then more forcefully says, hey, it's time to slow down, buddy. And then I think, okay, 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 I'll slow down. I will skip my workout today or I will skip skip cooking supper and stop by and get sushi or something. Or I'll skip like a friend's birthday celebration or I'll skip church and I'll silently pat myself on the back thinking, yeah, you did deserve that little rest. But if this is like you we need to watch out because life has probably given us um, little warnings that we really need to slow down. And if we don't slow the beep down, then our bodies may present us with a reason to slow down like illness or maybe depression or maybe you get so burned out you lose your job. Or maybe it's just a series of small calamities like your car breaks down and you sprain your ankle and you have to pay a big speeding ticket all in one week. Olympic athletes know that the rest that they incorporate into their training is as important as the training. That's why they put it in their as part of their training. And we can't run this race we call life if we don't 
stop and rest. We just can't train nonstop. I've looked at my cat, Tigger, and he loves to just sit or lay lay on the chair all day and rest. And how often do we do that? Like never. I mean, maybe, maybe on Sundays we'll rest. But if you look at burnout, that's kind of the term of the year, of last year, this year, maybe the term of the decade. You hear burnout everywhere you go. You read articles. It's in there. You listen to the news. They're talking about burnout. And I had a um, somebody sent me an email link to an article on burnout. And this lady, um, Jacinta Jimenez, wrote a book called The Burnout Fix. Fix is kind of a play on words because she's not saying you can fix burnout. She's um, giving you tips on what to do about it. We even had a lecture at our conference on burnout. Um, I'm part of a PA Facebook group on burnout. I did a burnout talk at my provider retreat. It is so common. And I didn't know this a few years ago when I was going through burnout, especially if you're kind of a peak performer, high achiever. Burnout comes as a huge shock to you because all of a sudden you're facing this exhaustion, this mental exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion. I remember just feeling depleted completely drained by the end of the day, by the end of the week. And it feels so hopeless because you don't know when you'll be able to rest and recharge. It keeps, you keep telling yourself like, okay, maybe when I have vacation, maybe when I, um, maybe on the weekend I can recharge, but then you don't. It's not that simple. Burnout's not a switch you can like flip on and flip off. Even if you've, um, quote unquote, overcome burnout, you're probably going to deal with it over and over during your lifetime. It's kind of like depression. It's not, it's a chronic illness. Um, Not that burnout's an illness per se, but it's a symptom. Um, So the World Health Organization has three criteria for burnout. So one is that exhaustion that I mentioned. Another one is... um, depersonalization. So that's where you stop sort of uh, feeling vested in your job. You detach from it. And this is dangerous if you're in healthcare. Um, Studies have shown that patient outcomes suffers, like more patients die when they're treated by people who are burned out, whether it's a nurse or a doctor or a PA. Um, Patient outcomes suffer. But then you feel even worse. You feel guilt and shame because you don't want to be burned out. So that's why it's so important to identify it and to treat it. And the last component is um, inefficiency. So if you've always loved your job, you've always done your very best at your job, then when you're burned out, you, you start not doing as good of a job. And you're inefficient. I mean, you're just not able to give it all you've got because you don't have as much. You don't have as much oomph. You feel exhausted. You feel um, worn out. You feel embarrassed that you can't keep up with, that you're not hanging in there when everybody else seems to be doing just fine. Um, Before the pandemic, the studies show that 77% of Americans said that they either are or were burned out. And think about it now, after the pandemic, my goodness. I mean, especially if you're a working parent and you're dealing with worries about your kids and their school, and some of us have had to actually take time off and and do school. Um, So it's just 
everywhere, y'all. And it's that's why I'm talking about it, because when you're going through it, it feels like you're all alone. It feels hopeless. You feel like there's just no solution that's going to fix your problem. Um, I wrote an article a few a couple of years ago on burnout, and I recently got an email from a PA who found it, and her email was titled SOS Burnout. And she was just asking, like, what can I do about this? I went into this career thinking that it was my dream career, but I feel so burned out, and I don't know what to do about it. And she'd even taken time off and she sees a therapist and she still feels burned out. And so I sent her um, some suggestions and I told her it wasn't a quick fix, but here are just some things off the top of my head. So I'll tell y'all what those are. Most of them I've talked about before in podcast. And then I also wanted to incorporate some things from this article from Dr. Jimenez. It's J-I-M-E-N-E-Z. So from my Spanish lessons, I think that J is pronounced H, but forgive me if it's not. (laughs) Okay, so Dr. Jimenez also talks about six key components of burnout. So the first one is maybe you feel work overload. But she's quick to clarify, like burnout is not just you have worked your butt off and you're overworked and so you feel burned out. That's not what burnout is. But work overload could be part of it. And that could be either high job demands or inadequate resources to complete the job. An example of this is when when I worked in internal medicine, we had one medical assistant for three providers. And she was amazing, but she was not three people. So I felt like we didn't have, we didn't always have adequate resources. The second one is maybe lack of control and that can lead to burnout. So this might be that you don't feel like you have enough or an appropriate level of responsibility, or maybe you don't have access to the tools you need to do your job. Um, I have been in jobs where I didn't feel like they gave me enough to do, you know, especially as a new graduate, you kind of get impatient and you want to have more autonomy. But I've also been in jobs where I felt like I had way too much autonomy and nobody to turn to when I needed help. Third, the third thing is insufficient reward. So this could be lack of regular acknowledgement. Um, My love language is words of affirmation. So in a job where I feel like I get zero acknowledgement, that's going to make me feel less appreciated. Um, Or maybe the insufficient reward is financial. Or maybe it's just seeing an intrinsic reward for your work effort. Like you just, you know, in an ER situation, you treat the patients, you let them go, and you don't get that follow-up where they're like, thank you, you cured my acne, or whatever. All right, fourth would be breakdown in the community. So this could be if there's high levels of workplace conflict or low levels of interpersonal trust. Um, I read an article that was talking about burnout in the medical community, and it referenced back to the days when there were doctor's lounges. And this study was specifically about doctors, not other providers. But it said that back in the, you know, 80s, doctors would hang out in the doctor's lounges and hospitals. And they had that camaraderie. They would talk about patients, talk about cases, um, talk about their work stress. And they would also smoke cigarettes in the doctor's lounges. But that's another story. 
But we don't have that. Nowadays, you know, we each do our own thing, at least at my office. And we meet together for office meetings once a month. But it's not the same um, as hanging out with each other, you know, on a daily basis and sort of feeling like you share that stress level and you share the the same experiences. Um, The fifth one is lack of fairness. So you may feel like it's not fair as far as workload or pay or the inappropriate handling of promotions or evaluations, or maybe there's poor dispute resolution practices, Dr. Jimenez says. Um, I've seen this with, you You know, we can count the number um, of patients other providers are seeing. And maybe you say, it's not fair. I'm seeing 30 and she's only seeing 20. And so that can start to weigh on you over time. Um, the sixth one is values misalignment. Personal values and goals aren't in alignment with those of your organization. So if your organization is all about the bottom line, and they don't seem to really care about you or the work you're doing, then that's going to make you feel more burned out. So back to the email that I got when I responded to her, here's some things that I told her have helped me. First of all, I said, I had to find things that bring me joy and inspiration outside of work. And one of my podcast episodes was about don't um, rely on work to complete you like that Jerry Maguire movie, You Complete Me. Um, Yeah, so don't rely on work to fulfill you completely with joy and inspiration. For me, it's creativity. I have got to have some areas in my life where I'm creative. So that may be writing. It may be doing podcasts. When I was teaching yoga, it was designing yoga sequences and pairing it with music. I also told her the second thing was she's going to have to look within and figure out what she really wants. When I was going through burnout, I kept looking at factors outside of me to validate that it was okay to, like, I wanted somebody to tell me it's okay to quit. I kept reading books, like trying to find proof that things were bad and proof that I needed to quit. Um, And finally, my husband was like, Hope, if it's this bad, you don't have to keep working. And it was just that reassurance that, you know what, I don't have to. Um, And I, I eventually talked to my office manager about it. And it turns out it wasn't that hard to change some things. And I wasn't the only one feeling that way. So that was another thing I told her was she's got to talk to whoever she's working with and sort of put on her brainstorm hat and figure out if there's anything that can be tweaked or changed. Um, But I'm getting ahead of myself. So I told her she's got to look within herself to figure out what she really wants. So this is really hard for those of us who are type A, high achievers. We don't like to be still. In fact, I used to get up during Shavasana when I was doing yoga. This was before I taught it. And I would get up because I just could not sit still for three minutes. I was like, "Uh -uh, I don't have time for this. I've got to get up. I've got places to go and things to do. And that's terrible, y'all. That's what I needed the most. All right. And so back to what I was saying earlier, the third thing was I told her to write write out her ideal work situation. So if her burnout factor is um, seeing too many patients or not having enough help, or maybe it's because she feels misaligned with the purpose. Like if she's working in primary care, but she feels like all she's doing is writing antibiotic prescriptions when she doesn't really feel like they need it, then that's going to make her feel out of alignment. 
Um, I also told her that when I started specializing, that was a game changer because I felt like I was learning a lot about um, a very specific area of medicine. It was in allergy and asthma. And that was when I started feeling a higher sense of purpose. And I felt like I really was able to change lives by doing asthma education. And I even went into elementary schools and talked to people there about what to do when a kid has an asthma attack and how to implement their asthma action plan. Number four, brainstorm what you would do if you didn't do your current job. And this is where you can get creative. You can um, say, well, oh, gosh, I would drive an ice cream truck. <laughs> I would grow lavender. I, one of my friends teaches um, at Soul Cycle. Um, another friend flips houses. She does this kind of real estate flipping houses thing. And so you can write out why this appeals to you, like what parts of that job sound good to you. And then you ask, can I incorporate this into my life, either through my current job or maybe as a side hustle? Number five, I told her that she needs to realize this time of struggle might be preparing her for something else. So you can read about different books where it's called The Dark Night of the Soul. It's really hard to accept it when you're in the middle of it, but a lot of times the struggle comes before a breakthrough, and maybe life is trying to teach her something or prepare her for the next thing. Um, I had a friend who said that her jobs had to get like horrible before she would quit. She was just determined to stay at a job, and she said in hindsight it was like, you know, God was whispering to her to leave and she wouldn't. And so the situation finally had to snowball into just disaster before she would quit. Number six, when life sucks, we have a tendency to keep looking for all the negatives. We look for proof that we're right, that things do suck. And this is the worst thing we can do. Instead, try setting an intention every day. And it, it needs to be something positive, obviously. But um, write it down and then write down things every day you're grateful for, even tiny things. And studies show that when you write down the thing you're grateful for, your body re-experiences the good, feel-good chemicals that were released when you experience that thing. So like if your daughter was snuggling on your lap and she hugs you and she says, I love you, and you write that down hours later, you're going to experience the same feel-good chemicals. Oprah says to do this, and I started doing it maybe in high school, and it really does work. So you have to just do it, even though you probably think it's stupid. Um, number seven, I already said this one about talking to her boss and brainstorming what she can do too. Um, and then number eight, I wrote, I'm not even going to write down self-care because this suggestion made me want to punch someone when I was the most burned out. I wanted to shout that no amount of yoga or meditation would help me overcome the despair. So, yeah, I'm not going to talk about self-care because y'all know that, but you do need to find a tribe of like-minded people. Find somebody you can talk to. That's what therapists are for. They are getting paid for that. So reach out. If you are feeling really burned out, I'd love to hear from you. You just shoot me an email, hope.cook at gmail.com, and let's talk. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, hopethepa.com. Thank y'all for listening.